This is the Press Pass with Chris Ryan. This is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes, coaches, and general managers in sports. I think you appreciate each and every one. Uh, each and every one is special in their own way. And I play with two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis, and people get spoiled. You know, they they saw Manny, they saw David, so they they start taking people for granted. Uh, opportunity for me. I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and consistency. Celtics within the win of an NBA championship. We go in-depth with members of the team. We check in on the Red Sox and Patriots as well. I talked with Mac Jones this week. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. What an improbable season it has been for the Boston Celtics. The halfway point of the year, they were at 20-21. and 21. There was questions about whether Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could play together, whether Marcus Smart should be traded, and whether Ime Yudoka had the right temperament and personality to be a successful NBA coach. Now, this team is within a win of an NBA championship. It's been an improbable run. It's been an improbable season for the Boston Celtics. We're going to go in-depth on that here on this edition of the show, starting with uh, a question I asked Jason Tatum. Hey, Jason, you're obviously very intentional about a lot of the things you want to do, including what you wanted to accomplish in the game. And I'm wondering, you know, what has the finals experience and this whole run been like as a superstar player compared to what you expected and all that has come with it? Uh, it, it it's, it's, it's been a lot. Uh, you know, this is... This is a dream come true, you know, playing in the finals. Uh, you know, as a competitor, you know, this is what you work for, right? You want to be the last team standing. You want to hold up that trophy. Uh, so I think to have the a golden opportunity, um, you know, right at your fingertips, just taking full advantage of it. You know, you don't want to have any regrets, um, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, win or lose. You want to feel that you gave it your all. Uh, and that's all you can ask of, of, of anybody. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to debate. Uh, you know, I guess you just comment about the superstar, you know, whatever that means, right? I'm sure that I've, I've seen there's a huge debate. Is he a superstar? Is he not? Uh, I want to know where that came from. Like, did I tweet that? Did I ever say that I'm a superstar? Or, you know, I'm on the verge. Like, I, that never came from me. But it has been a big deal this last year and a half or two years. Um, and I see it all the time. And there's always been a question in the back of my head. Like, I wonder who spoke on my behalf or said that or why that was such a big deal. Um, but, you know, if you win a championship, they can debate a lot of things. They can debate whether or not, you know, you're a champion. Also talked with Marcus Smart about what this season has been like. Hey, Marcus, how would you describe what this season has been like? Obviously, it's been a winding road to a large degree, some dead ends, but you guys have kind of gotten through everything. How would you describe what it's been like and the character of this group to do what it's done at this point? Um, I would probably have to describe it as just right. Um, everything happens for a reason, you know. Um, when you're trying to accomplish something great, you know, you have to, things have to be sacrificed. You know, and uh, you have to go through some things, um, you know, to prepare you for the battle that's, you know, in front of you. And early on in the season, we had to prepare for battle that we were going to have to uh, endure. And um, we went through it. We went through the training. 
we went through the beatdowns. We went through the blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, now we're in the finals and have an opportunity to win a ring. So um, everything happened for a reason. Derek White was acquired mid-season by the Celtics as Brad Stevens set a big role in this as well, stepping back to the role of president of basketball operations that was previously occupied by Danny Ainge. Here is Derek White, who was acquired mid-season along with Daniel Tice, who came back as well. Two really key acquisitions uh, to getting the Celtics to where they are right now. Hey, Derek, the, this team has obviously done really well with adversity throughout the course of the postseason, but at times, you know, prosperity has been a little challenging for you. How do you go about making sure you have that same intensity for this game when your things are going well? Um, I mean, you understand that's a, a huge game. Um, I mean, every game is important, and we understand we can't, we can't give away games and stuff like that, so um, everybody's really focused, um, got the right mindset, and uh, it's time to go show it tomorrow. What's the Celtic experience been like for you? What's it been like to be a part of you know this group and kind of see this all coming together throughout the course of the postseason? It's been fun. Um, I mean, we got a great group, um, guys that care about each other, um, like to see each other succeed. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it's the highest level, and just playing with people that you care about and you have fun playing with it is. I'm enjoying it. Why do you think this team's been so successful? Like, what is the, you know, the identity of this group that allows you to have the success you've had, be on the verge of what you're on the verge of? Um, we, got, we got a lot of good good guys, um, a lot of talent, and people that just care about the team. Um, just kind of put the ego aside and, and care about the team first, and um, good things happen when that, when that happens. What are some things perhaps about Jason that, makes him the player that he is, the person that he is, it's kind of behind the scenes that maybe people don't see as much? Um, I mean, a lot of work. Um, no cameras around. I mean, he's in the gym, um, in the training room, getting his body right, just doing a lot of little things, Just which is the difference between good and great. Um, I mean, I think each year he's, he's made a big step, and I mean, throughout these playoffs he's made another step. So, um just cool to see how each time he, he goes out there, he just seems to get better and better. When you came over from San Antonio, did you have a feel for what this team could be and, and that you had a chance to get to this point, or did you need to kind of see how things developed over the course of time? No, I was excited. Um, I knew that um, they had a lot of talent, a lot of a lot of good pieces, and I felt like I would fit in well. So um, I was really excited. Um, I felt the sky was the limit, and um, – I mean, these days, try to get better and better is to, to reach this as a goal. Why do you feel your game has blended so well on both ends with this with this group? What about you? What about them has allowed for it to, to work so well? Um, no, I feel like I can just play with anybody um, personally. So um, just going out there and um, uh, moving the ball, uh, cutting, doing little things that I've mean, just done my my whole life and I mean you got a lot of talented guys and um, high IQ players it, it fits well. Also talked with the Celtics Grant Williams. Yeah I'm a guy I must say I'm a responder more so than anything else like I, if anybody wants to I can get into it with you but at the end of the day it's not something that I naturally would just like come out and do just because even though I'm a person I was talking to I'm not necessarily just going to cut bash people but for me it's like it's kind of exhilarating it's kind of fun because as much as you know someone can go at it and try and get other guys heads so can you and at the end of the day, it's not something that we'll ever back down from, myself especially. So I really enjoy it, and it's, kind of, it's really fun. I deal with Draymond in that regard, where you obviously are not going to back down. He's going to talk a lot. Like, Do you change with him, given like how he can 
kind of change the game with how he uh, gets guys engaged? No, not really. I feel like a little bit of it is you don't necessarily see other guys doing it other than him. So uh, you can't be so well overwhelmed or, or overcome by, you know, the t- as a team. You just have to, if one guy does it, then one guy does it. But you don't let one guy affect eight others, you know. So uh, at the end of the day, if you're going to have a guy, you know, go at it, go have someone go at it with them and then keep it moving because that's what they do. That's the kind of words kind of play. You don't see Looney or Wiggins or Stafford, Clay, Poole. None of those guys really talk trash. So um, that's just how you respond to it. Do you feel like he gets more latitude with officials than other players do? I don't necessarily uh, want to comment on officiating necessarily just because I'm not I'm not built for being a $50,000 fine right now. But um, at the end of the day, you can't really get wrapped up in those guys. Uh, no matter what whistle is called, you're still playing the game. You still had those turnovers. So for us, it's less so concerned about what the officials or what other team is doing. It's about taking care of what we need to do. Each kid dreams of like what? playing the finals we like having big moments throughout the postseason like you've had what's the reality been compared to the dream for you specifically it's still the same honestly it's just as surreal as it was when you dream about it um it's a moment that you never kind of kind of would have understood unless you're here so being on that court surrounded by not only away fans when you're in, on the road and the tenacity and, and edge that they bring talking trash and everything else how to i think a five foot two white dude telling me he's calling me soft the other day so that was so cool to see but um and then in an arena like this where you're going to have fans screaming for you and, and cheering you on doing the same to the other team, there's nothing like it. What do you like more? Do you like guys talking trash to you away or you like the, the what you get in momentum for the fans here? Honestly, I like the edge on the road. Um, for me, it's always been a been a huge motivator just because like the more someone's talking to you, the more you want to like kind of prove them wrong. That's kind of how my life has been, you know? I'm never the highly rated recruit. I was never the guy that everyone dreamed to have. So, like, the people that said I couldn't willed me to show that I can. So, uh, I love that, and then on the, on the, at home you can, you know, it's, it's just as fun, but I feel like that road gives me a little more edge. Here's my conversation with Peyton Pritchard. Peyton, could you just describe what this experience has been like for you so far, and how do you go about kind of taking it in, but also focusing on the process? Uh, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. Obviously, it's a little bit of a circus, you know, and stuff like that, but you got to take it all in, but we're playing at the highest stage in basketball, so it's any, we all dream about this, so. How would you define this team? Like, what is this team in your view? Um, well, I think we've kind of been resilient all year. So, you know, every time we're down, backs against the walls, we come through. So, for us, it's just, uh, you know, always having that chip on our shoulder and making things tough and always fighting back. How do you think that's helped you in you know, moments like this? So you have a big game, bouncing back in other series, being 20 and 21 and having to, you know, fight to get where you guys are. I just think we're... Like, like I said, never back down, but we're not shy of the moment. I think everybody's ready for the moment, ready for their opportunity to come and, and uh, you know, do well with it. Every kid, kid dreams about what it's going to be like to play in the finals, what it's going to be like to have big moments in the playoffs. You've done both now. How has the reality matched the dream? It's probably crazier uh, in reality, honestly. I mean, just it's it's nothing like you can explain playing, and uh, obviously everybody's watching, and it's the biggest stage in basketball, so it's definitely amazing. But... Um, no, it's it's been a it's been a good journey to get here. Hey, what's the biggest difference from what you anticipated or expected? Biggest difference, or I mean, you watch like, the games on TV. Like, what's yeah. what's different about being in them? I mean, the game is the same. I mean, everybody's playing hard. Obviously, uh, you're fighting for a championship. I think just uh, the difference is like the the circus side of it, the media, you know, dealing with all that. Um, it's just a lot crazier. Robert Williams been dealing with significant knee pain, it would appear, after coming off of surgery to return for the postseason. I talked with the Time Lord. 
How would you go about describing like what this team is? How would you describe what you guys have done to get here? Um, fight. You know, fight, have a next man up mentality, and um, you know, uh, be able to handle all our problems in that locker room and look each other face to face. You know, I feel like oh, that's the biggest thing, and um, just the will. You know. To, to help each other be accountable for each other and cover for each other. Yeah. How, could you describe, like, the open communication you guys have with each other? And how is that something that, you know, was learned for you? Or did you learn it with this group about how important that is? Um, you know, it was just established uh, at the beginning of the year from, you know, the um, top players on the team to the last players on the team. You know, uh, everyone's voice is heard. Uh, everyone's voice is heard. Speak up if you see something. It doesn't sit right with you if you see something that you you know you feel is not right, and everyone you know had to learn to take constructive criticism. You know what I'm saying? But thankfully, we went through that earlier part of the season, not not now. So um, it helped us. What a job by the Boston Celtics this year. Let's switch gears to the Patriots OTAs this week as they practiced and a lot of questions around the Patriots, particularly when it comes to signal calling. No offensive or defensive coordinators named Bill Belichick spending a lot of time with the offense. And of course, if the Patriots are going to become a Super Bowl championship team, improvement from everyone is integral, but particularly their quarterback who had, let's be honest, he had a really solid rookie season and took on a lot of different aspects of this Patriots offense. They put a lot on the shoulders of the rookie because they thought he was capable of handling it, and he was uh, capable of handling it. So uh, here is Mac Jones. I spoke with him uh, earlier this week. Hey, Mac, football is well with you. Um, just what are some of the areas that you see yourself focusing on as you look to evolve and grow from uh, year one to year two? Yeah, I think just um, keep the main thing the main thing, and that's you know getting better as a football player. And for me, um, that's identifying things at each phase. So the OTAs are kind of through here and just figure out what I need to do better um, for the season. And for me, it's always focusing on the little things, whether that's nutrition, um, my footwork, you know, how can I get my arms stronger? What can I do better in the film room? So it's always a self-evaluation to get better. Um, you know, and that's always good to do when you have a little bit of time to sit back and do the evaluation. So I've had a lot of time to do that and apply it in OTAs. And then obviously the important part is applying that in the season um, and helping it you know, help us win games. Um, that's the whole point of the of putting in the work. You, you do it to win games and try and help the team. Not the Red Sox, who are back in business following a seven-game winning streak. That was snapped on Thursday against uh, the Angels in Anaheim. The Red Sox continue their uh, West Coast trip last night in Seattle against the Mariners before heading home this week against the Athletics, Cardinals, and Tigers. So the Red Sox, in my view, you know, they got off to a really difficult start. That first month was absolutely brutal. But then things started to turn, obviously, in May. have gotten better here in June. The schedule has gotten a little bit lighter. And the Red Sox team is going to be a playoff caliber team. You know, we saw it throughout the course of the year. Expanded playoffs are going to benefit them as well. And it seems they've also made the move of naming Tanner Houck essentially as their closer, which I think is really, really smart. Um, the the Red Sox can use him for two innings. They can use him for an inning. And I think that you know his stuff, um, for whatever reason, they don't feel like goes well uh, for him three times through the lineup, or even two times through the lineup. So 
you know, if he can throw strikes on a continual basis or work his way around not throwing strikes on a continual basis to get out of innings, as we've seen from closers in the past who, you know, can can play with uh, defeat at times uh, during the course of their outing. Tanner Houck, I think, is going to be a really good closer. And I think they made a good decision on that. So let's hear Tanner on this Red Sox. Tanner, what do you make of this team? Like, there's been the ups, there's been the downs a couple times this year, and it seems like, you know, it looked like this team was about to find its way and had found its way coming to this homestand. What do you make of the team this year? Uh, in my eyes, it's a great team, great group of people. Uh, and I mean, on the field and off the field, I think if you can say that about the people that you probably spend your, the most time with uh, for the next few months, I, I think that's all you can really look for in a team is a great group of guys that you want to go out there and compete with every single day and the season is still you know really early we've still got just 50 games in the season 112 still to to play and it seems that you know whenever there's a stretch like this and it's at the beginning of the year you notice it but maybe if you go four games under 500 for a stretch of 50 games in the middle of the season not so much yeah i mean 162 games for a reason I think last year showed showed that with the, the us um, you know getting into the playoffs getting into the wild card game uh, that every game really matters so it's really just about showing up each and every day and, and putting your best foot forward um, you know you're not always out of a game you got nine innings until 27 outs are, are made there's always potential to come back and win a game or, or you just got to go out there and compete really What's the season been like for you to date? Started in the rotation, uh, in the bullpen, now pitching in a role in which you throw multiple innings uh, per appearance. How do you how do you kind of categorize what the year's been like for you? Uh, kind of the same way. Just show up every day and, and just do what I have to do to get ready for the game. Whether uh, the night before I threw two innings, three innings, whatever it is, um, got to show up and still got to do my routine as if I was going to pitch that, that night as well. Uh, for me, starting the rotation, I, I have history of doing that. I have history in the bullpen as well, so I feel comfortable with really whatever role I'm thrown into. Obviously, you know something that's been talked about a lot with Alex and you is pounding the strike zone, and you've always wanted to. Do you feel like you're in the spot right now where you're throwing all your pitches a little more consistency where you want to happen? Again, it's tough because that slider is so good. <laughs> At times, can slide out of the zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of been the thing for me the, the whole year and my whole career is just showing up and, and being able to throw strikes. Um, I've worked on it day in and day out. Uh, every bullpen I've ever thrown, that was the main focus of just throwing throwing the ball in the zone, working on movement into the zone. Um, so for me, I feel like I've, I've grown. I, I still feel like I have a, a long way to go, um, and I think that's the right mindset to have because – I feel like the moment you get comfortable, that's the moment you stop stop working as hard to uh, to continue to push yourself. For for me, it's just showing up every day and knowing that there's still work to be done. Is that a tough thing? You know, is that a learned thing to show up every day and you know, kind of put the results behind you? Particularly, you know, when you're younger, like everything means so much. Um, is it difficult to come to the ballpark and be like, okay, we're going to just start new today, whether it was good yesterday or bad yesterday? It's going to be it's going to be new today. Uh, for me, I mean, like, it definitely is hard to, like, sit there and say, like, all right, yesterday's over, like, good or bad, like, it's hard to put the past in the past, but you got to do it in this game, like, you to short mindset, 
you play 29 days out of every month it seems like so you just really have you kind of got to live in that mindset of just like hey yesterday's yesterday doesn't matter if I give up three runs or threw up zeros I still got to show up today and do the same thing uh, by going out there and, and competing my hardest is it tough at times, like say, you know, in this stretch you lose three out of five to the Orioles and the and the Reds? I mean, is is it difficult to put results aside when you want to do better? And you obviously human nature is okay. If it's not going the best, I need to change something. I need to make it some sort of a variation. Um, how do you kind of balance those two things where you want to stay the same and do the same things that have gotten you to a certain point on a consistent basis, but also okay, maybe we need to change something up. A little bit. There's definitely a fine line with changing versus like kind of re- fully reinventing yourself. Luckily, here we have an incredible coaching staff that, I mean, they're they're continuously working with us every single day, and just kind of keeping us on the right path and not letting us veer one way too much or veer the other way too much, really. Tanner Houck right there. We head to Cooperstown now for our Legends of the Game segment. We talk with Ted Simmons, who is a great catcher for the Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. He went to the National Baseball Hall of Fame last year and uh, talked to him about the 80s and uh, what baseball was like back then. So many great players here, but particularly great players from the 80s, Ozzy, uh, Wade Boggs, and a lot of the stars. What do you remember about that era, and what for yourself what was it like to be one of the best players in that era? Well, there were star players everywhere and you know in every generation there are potential hall of famers of course but you know in the 80s there were great names not only the ones that were coming through the 80s but there were great names who had made themselves stars earlier carlton gibson you know nolan ryan they were a little ahead and the new crops were coming, and you were seeing everything like like almost double. So many great names, great stars. Rose was still playing. You know, lots of stars everywhere. What were the challenges for you in balancing your responsibilities as an elite catcher with also being a hitter that hit for power, hit for, for average? Was there, you know, did you just t- turn one thing off from time to time and focus on the other? No. How would you go about doing it? No. You, you, the, the whole business as a catcher is really separate and apart. That's the defensive perspective that you take as a defender. Offensively, you're a hitter, and that is a completely separate person. So you're focusing um, on them both, but never really at the same time. So you separate it, and it's not difficult. The difficulty comes when you're in a defensive crisis that you feel like you can't fix because they're stealing against you every five minutes or because you're dropping balls. In the same way, well, I'm taking an for every night. It doesn't usually happen that way. If you're thinking about both, you can really get messed up. So you keep them separate, and it's not nearly as big. When I think about different eras, I mean, you can clearly identify one star like the 20s it was uh, Babe Ruth 30s 40s think of Ted Williams uh, Joe DiMaggio uh, Mickey Mantle and and Willie Mays in the 50s the 80s it seemed like there was not like that one star there's so many good players is that fair well I don't think it's fair because it ignores what a guy like George Brett did yeah George Brett 
hit 388. And when Ted Williams, as the last 400 hitter, hit 400, there was really no such thing as a slider. And Ted Williams would admit to himself that, well, I may not have been quite as good a hitter if I'd have played in the slider era. Well, George Brett did. And he hit 388. So there were guys that stood out. And for me, George Brett stood out above all the hitters. All right, that is Ted Simmons, went to the National Baseball Hall of Fame last year, though part of the class of 2020, but things canceled that year because of COVID. Of course, David Ortiz goes into the National Baseball Hall of Fame next month. Looking forward to that in Cooperstown. This has been the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.